0: Section 43 of A Minor War History This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Paul Hampton A Minor War History by Martin Alonzo Haynes Letter Number 115 Point Lookout, Maryland October 27, 1863 Two of our fellows who were captured at Gettysburg have got in from the parole camp at Annapolis. When they came in, I expected to see George Slade with them. I had a letter from him only a few days before announcing that he had just got in from a hell upon earth, a rebel prison, tired, dirty, and lousy, as he expressed it, and asking me to send him five dollars and now they bring me word that he is dead. I had no better friend in the regiment than good, loyal old George Slade. Another detachment of the 2nd Cavalry has arrived here, among whom are some of the boys who went out of our regiment at Alexandria, and from them we get authentic news of all the boys. Rod Manning was killed instantly at Culpepper, shot in the mouth. Heenan was not killed, although he had a fierce saber cut on his head. When our boys went to pick him up, he told them to let him die where he was. They were, in fact, so hard-pressed that they could not have got him off anyway, but he has since turned up as a prisoner in Richmond. There has been a little disturbance up-country. One of our officers engaged in recruiting Negroes was shot by an exasperated slaveholder. Another officer came down today for a force to go up and preserve order and also for a gunboat to prevent them from running their slaves from Maryland over into Virginia. A detachment of cavalry has gone up. It beats everything how the contrabands are coming in both from Maryland and Virginia. They come sometimes in squads of 15 or 20, and most of the men go into the army or some branch of the government service. Those coming from Maryland are not sent back into bondage, as formerly but if the owner is loyal, he receives $300 for his man, who is put in the army. This will make Maryland a free state before many years. The situation is very displeasing to the old Secesh planters. We are building a combination guard and blockhouse of logs in which a howitzer will be mounted to command the main entrance to the prison camp. One of our men who deserted at Yorktown returned today, brought back under guard, and I hear there are quite a number of men at Washington who deserted right after the first bull-run battle. It'll be a corker on them if they have to make up the time they have lost. I have a bundle of curios I would like to send home by express. There is no express office here, but the settler brings down all the express matter directed to the point. Bill Pendleton, of this company, who was mail agent, used to carry bundles to Washington for the boys, but he had some trouble with the captain of the boat and has been relieved. Letter number 116, Point Lookout, Maryland, November 1, 1863. My box came today, bringing a good supply of clothing, so I think I can hold out pretty comfortably this winter. I am also unusually well fixed as to quarters. Have rearranged to take in Bill Pendleton. Bill and I have an upper bunk, and Dan a lower bunk all to himself. Bill has a good mattress and a half dozen quilts, and we undress and go to bed like folks. I found much more of an eatable nature than I expected in my box. We are clearing out cakes, pies, and apples, and are surveying one of those big onions to find the most available point of attack. Bill Ramsdell won out in his court-martial, was acquitted, released from arrest, and returned to the company for duty yesterday. I find Bill has a very bitter feeling against Captain Gordon and attributes most of his troubles to him. The captain warmly congratulated Bill and told him he had done everything he could to secure his acquittal. But Bill grimly says he knows better. Last night was a night of excitement over attempts of prisoners to escape. Three or four different parties had their plans all laid. One squad had made arrangements with a sentry to let five men pass beyond his beat paying him a handsome sum in greenbacks. But no sooner did he get their money than he betrayed them to the provost marshal. The consequence was that a squad of cavalrymen was lying in wait and two of the adventurers were severely wounded. The sympathy of our boys are all with the rebs and against the fellow who was mean enough to take their money and then give them away. Two other parties had tunnels completed from their tents to a point outside the fence, but their schemes miscarried. I was down at my tent eating my supper when the long roll beat at the guardhouse, and I never knew before that there were so many logs and mud holes on Point Lookout as I tumbled over and into in my haste to answer the call. Monday evening. More improvements! I wish you could see our stove. It is the biggest box stove ever made, I guess. It is not exactly in our tent, but one end is. If the whole apparatus was, there wouldn't be room for anything else. It is a government stove. We discovered a nest of about 50, and one dark night not long ago, the second confiscated the whole lot. I hear they are coming around tomorrow to pick them up. In which event, we have done a good deal of heavy lugging for nothing. Colonel Bailey has been living in one of the houses downtown, but today his tent is being fixed up for his reception. I do not know whether he is going to move his wife up to camp or not. Being off duty today, I went oystering, got lots of them, and cut my fingers all to pieces shucking them. Two volunteer recruits for our company came down on the boat tonight. They are a decided novelty, living proofs that there are a few left who do not wait to be drafted. Letter 117. Point Lookout, Maryland, November 8, 1863. There is more trouble for our last batch of second lieutenants. When commissioned, their names were dropped from the roles of enlisted men, but when it came to being mustered, it could not be done, the regiment not having men enough. They are not on the rolls of enlisted men and cannot be mustered as officers, so they are wondering where they are and how they are going to get any pay for the past four months. It is a serious problem for some of them who have spent considerable sums on officers' outfits. My big stove, the Swamp Angel, has been taken away, and I don't know as I am very sorry it was such an infernally clumsy contrivance. We had the fun of stealing it anyway. Captain Gordon says he has made arrangements for a little sheet iron stove for each tent, which will be much better. Our two new recruits from Manchester have both been placed in my tent. One, named Messenger, was in the 16th Regiment. I do not remember the name of the other. Jason Sherwood, a 17th man, who served in Company F and re-enlisted shortly after his discharge. A couple of steamers were in collision out on the bay Friday night. One, the curfew, was sunk, and the other, the Louisiana, was towed in here the next day by a gunboat. One of them, it is stated, has been engaged in the hunt for the Alabama. Last Wednesday was state election day in Maryland and several wagons rigged out with flags and banners and loaded with citizens and unarmed soldiers went up to St. Mary's. It reminded me of some of my old election rackets in New Hampshire. The wild geese are beginning to come along. One small flock passed over the camp yesterday. Quite a number of shots were fired at them and one big fellow came down. The residents here say there will be big rafts of them on the river this winter. A schooner has just gone ashore near camp in trying to get around the point. Our guard details are so arranged now that we are on duty only every fourth day. If this continues, we will have an easy time this winter. End of Section 43 Recording by Paul Hampton